exciting. How, how many of you noticed that in both videos, dogs just scared to death, right? <laughs> Any, how many dog lovers in here? All right, I won't say anything. Uh, we are, don't you love getting good news? How many of you remember when you found out you were going to have a baby? Anybody remember that? I remember it was a long time ago, and uh, it was back when we had phones on the wall, and I picked up the phone and called my parents and told them it was so exciting. In fact, I, I wish I could show you. I just got a Snapchat uh, during, during worship, mind you, uh, from my son. He's uh, 20 years old, or almost 20. He's in uh, college, and he sent me this picture of himself. So he's in college in Missouri, and uh, he had parking lot duty today, welcoming everybody as they, they came into church. And uh, it was pouring rain in Springfield, Missouri. And so he has this awesome picture, like just soaked. I was like, this is so awesome. But anyways, can you see it? No, you can't. But I remember when we first found out we were going to have a baby, how exciting it was. Then we found out it was going to be a boy, and I thought about all the things I was going to do with him, right? And then a few years later, we were going to have another child, and we found out it was going to be a girl. And my life completely changed. You know what I'm talking about? Life was different. And, and I have just this picture I want to show you. This is the first picture I think I took in her room. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Don't I look so young in that picture? And uh, she's not quite that young anymore either. She is 17 years old. And yesterday I decided, I said, Blair, let's go try to find something new for Easter to wear, right? I mean, nothing like last-minute shopping, right? And so the first store we go in takes me about five minutes, and I pick out this shirt. And I realized today I looked like a giant Easter egg, but it took me five minutes to pick. So 5.6 miles later... Blair picked out an Easter outfit, all right? So life is just different with girls and boys, in it? But I, the, the point of this, as Dave introduced this morning, is good news. Everybody likes to receive good news, don't they? Everybody wants to hear good news, and so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. And I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we think about this idea of good news. Easter Sunday... The day today that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's the greatest news ever given. And every Sunday morning, that's really why we worship on Sunday morning, because it's the, the morning that Jesus came to life. And so we celebrate the resurrection every Sunday morning here at church. Today is the, the one day on the calendar where, where everyone really celebrates. But here, and, and churches all over the world, Sunday morning is the day to celebrate the resurrection. And as you're turning to 1 Corinthians 15, let me give you a little bit of background information about this passage of Scripture. So there's two books called one 1 Corinthians, one 2 Corinthians. And in these books, this was written by the Apostle Paul. And these are two letters, not, not really books, but they're letters that were written to the Corinthian people, all right? Hence the name 1st and 2nd. Corinthians, all right? Well, who are the Corinthian people? Specifically, the people he is writing to is a church in Corinth, the city of Corinth, all right? So it's a, it's a letter to the people who belong to the church in Corinth. Now, so a little background about Corinth is Corinth was a Greek city, 
And in this period of time, their um, theology would state that there is no resurrection. There is no life after death. Okay, so we, we're here, we die, that's it. In fact, they would say that our body is a prison until we move on, all right? And so no resurrection. And so Paul is writing to the church in Corinth because a little bit of that philosophy of there's no life after death, there is no resurrection, uh, begin to kind of creep into the church. And so in this passage we're going to read, Paul is reminding them that there is life after death, that Jesus is alive, and because Jesus is alive, because he resurrected, then we too can be resurrected. And so that's the point of this passage of Scripture. So let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We begin in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, and in which you stand, or that idea there is that you have confidence in. Verse 2, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you first all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, that he was seen by Cephas, or also would be known as Peter, then by the twelve. After that he was seen by five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. Some have fallen asleep. So Paul there in that verse is saying there's five hundred other witnesses. Most of them, at the time he's writing this letter to the Corinthian people, he is stating in this verse that most of them are still alive. They're still eyewitnesses that you can talk to. Then in verse 7, it says, After that he was seen by James, then by all the apostles. And and this verse here, seen by James, is is important. So I'll just point out for a second. James here, the one mentioned in this passage, in this verse, is James the half-brother of Jesus. And you can read in John's gospel that James, when, when before the crucifixion, James did not really believe that Jesus, his half-brother, was who he said he was. He didn't really lay, think the claims that Jesus was the Messiah. James, his half-brother, didn't believe it. He's mentioned here in this passage of Scripture because after he saw the resurrected Jesus, guess what? He believed. And so that's why it's mentioned here in verse number 7. Verse number 8, then last of all, he was seen by me also, again, this is Paul writing, he was seen by me also as by one born out of due time. Now if you have your bulletin this morning, if you've got one, you walked in, I'm going to encourage you to get it out, and we're just going to fill in these blanks and kind of walk through and explain this text, all right? So in verse number one, let's go back to there. If you want to write point number one, it's the good news delivered, all right? The good news delivered. And David, uh, as he was leading a worship, kind of alluded to this. So in verse one, it says, Paul is saying, I declared or I delivered to you, I preached to you, I taught you the gospel. Okay, so what is the gospel? Gospel simply means good news, So Paul is saying in the first verse here, and remember he's writing to the church at Corinth, I deliver to you or I declare to you the good news. All right, so that's kind of simple, right, just for clarification. And then it says that you believed it or you received it. And with this, this understanding of the verse and the text, when Paul is saying is you received the gospel, 
saying you believed it. So, so follow what's taking place. Paul is saying, remember, I taught you the gospel. You believed the gospel. Hey, are you guys following me? Right, it's pretty simple. But look at the next verse. So he preached it. They believed it. What was the result of that? Verse 2, it says, by which you were also saved. So he preached the gospel, good slash good news. They believed what he preached, the gospel slash good news. And what was the result of that? They were saved. So maybe we need to take a second and define what it means to be saved. So let me just give you a few synonyms for this word saved. Redeemed, restored, delivered, pardoned, forgiven, and we could go on. These are just a few of those synonyms that help us understand what Paul is saying. He's saying then, I preached the good news to you. You believed the good news, meaning you placed your faith in that was truth, and you were saved by results of placing your faith or believing in the good news. So what does saved mean? It means you were redeemed, you were pardoned, you were restored, you were forgiven. And with that, it brings a sense of not just for a day, not for just a week, but for eternity. Because you believed what I preached, the good news, the gospel, you were saved, meaning you were forgiven for eternity, redeemed for eternity, pardoned for eternity, forgiven for eternity, to spend eternity with God in heaven. That's the good news. But we really haven't defined what good news is. I mean, we've defined gospel. Gospel means good news. They believe the good news or the gospel, and it brought them salvation. So what is the good news? That's what I want to show you this morning. Look in verse number three. For I delivered to you first all that which I also received. So he's just kind of repeating what he said in verse one. And then the next couple sentences reveal to us what this good news is, that if we believe, we can have salvation, which leads to eternity of forgiveness and redemption and pardon and in the presence of God, our creator. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That's the first thing that Paul is saying the good news is. The first part of the good news, the first part that you must believe is that Jesus died on a cross for your sins. The Bible says that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life, salvation, forgiveness, redeemed, pardoned for eternity. So that's the first thing we have to believe. That's the first thing that Paul is saying. Remember the gospel I preached to you. Jesus Christ died on the cross. And that, that verse, for God so loved the world, here's, here's the truth. There's a lot of you in here this morning that I don't know. But, but can I tell you who does know you? The creator, God. And you know what? This verse, John 3, 16, God loved you so much 
that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. You are special to God. God loves you. And that's the first thing that we must believe. If we're going to have salvation, we must believe that Jesus Christ died. Let's, let's keep looking in verse 4. So he died on the cross, according to the scriptures, verse 4, that he was buried. That's the second part. We're going to believe Jesus died, and, and it wasn't, it's not just a story. Jesus died on a cross for your sins. And I want to challenge you, if you want to hear a great message on the cross and what that meant, what Jesus did to pay the price for your sins on the cross, go to our website. Uh, look at last week's message. Uh, Pastor Dave gave a message on the cross. It was an amazing message on the price that Jesus paid. You saw in the video, they pulled him off the cross. And for three days, he was in the tomb. So I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. I believe that he was placed in the tomb. But look at the rest of the verse there. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So that's the third and final thing we must believe. Jesus died on a cross. He was buried in the tomb. But thank God three days later, he came back to life. And that's what Paul was wanting them to understand. Look, there is a resurrection. Not only did he deliver this message, number two there, it says the good news is defined. The good news defined for us is that if we believe in Christ, he died for your sins, if we place our faith in the fact that, yes, he is the resurrected Christ. Number three, the good news defended the good news defended. So what does that mean? So again, Paul, remember what he's writing and why he's writing was that some of them were kind of doubting that Jesus really came back to life. And so what does he say here? He says, remember, he was seen by Peter and the other disciples. He was seen by the 500, and many of them are still alive, and there are witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. He was seen by, you remember his brother, James? who previously did not believe. And when he saw the resurrected Savior, Jesus, ask him, he'll tell you, Jesus is alive. And I, Paul, I saw the resurrected Christ. Jesus is alive. But, but here's... So we've, we've kind of defined the good news for you, but the, the truth is I'm not sure that we can fully grasp how good the good news is until we understand the bad news. Have you guys ever been asked the question, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Which one do you want to hear first? Okay, the truth is I don't ever want to hear bad news. Can I get an amen? You can do better than that. Can I get an amen? All right. But in this story, as good as this good news is, I don't think that we can fully grasp how great this news is unless we realize how bad the bad news is. So, so let me give you the bad news, even though I don't like to give bad news. Paul wrote in Romans 3.23, 
that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner. Paul, who wrote Corinthians, who also wrote Romans, which I just quoted, what he said about himself was, I am the chief of sinners. In fact, before Paul placed his faith in Jesus, you know what Paul used to do? He used to kill people who believed in Jesus. He would rip women and children out of their home and imprison them and then have them stoned, killed. And so Paul writes in Romans 3.23, all have sinned, you and me. That's part of the bad news, but it gets worse. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of my sin is death. And what it's literally saying there is that separation from God, my creator, for eternity. So salvation brings eternal life. It brings eternal forgiveness and redemption and pardon and forever with God, my creator. But the payment of my sin is death, which is the exact opposite. Eternity, pain for my sins. Eternity, distant from my Father, my Creator. That's the bad news. But the rest of the verse gives us the good news again, right? The wages of sin is death. The rest of that verse says, but the gift of God, which is Jesus, is eternal life. So the bad news. If I don't place my faith in the death the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm going to spend eternity paying for my sins. The good news is, Jesus hung on the cross to pay your sin debt. That's why he died. Many of you know, and many of you probably don't know, but I have a a twin brother. And I want to show you a picture of myself and my twin and I, his name is Michael. I don't know how old we are in this picture, and the truth is I don't even know which one I am. Okay? So if you could tell me, that would be great. Um, so I thought that I was on the right as you look at it, and then after the first service, my dad says, no, you're the one on the left. But I don't think he knows what he's talking about. All right? It doesn't really matter. But here's... Here's what I want you to think about. I love my brother, and and most of the time my brother loves me. And most of the time we were like perfect little angels growing up, never really did much wrong. But on the occasion where I did do something wrong, I said, we got to have a poll here. How many of you have ever been told, go to your room and get your belt out? Anybody ever been told that? All right, if you're over 40 probably, right? And my dad used to tell me that, and I would go hide all the, the hard belts, you know. And he's like, D- you don't have, anyways. You know what my brother never did for me? He, he never said, hey, Mom, Dad, I know John did it, but I want to take his punishment. And here I thought he loved me. The truth is, 
I never did it for him either. But that's what Jesus did for you. Your punishment is that, my punishment is that I deserve death. Separation from God. And Jesus said, Dad, I'll take his place. That's the good news. That's what Paul is saying. Listen, if you would believe that Jesus came to the earth, he lived a sinless, perfect life so that he could be the punishment for your sins. He hung on a cross. He was buried. But he's alive. And because he's alive, I can have life. Because there is a resurrection, because Jesus is alive, then you also can have a resurrection. You also can have eternal life. That's the good news. And I want you this morning to wrestle with this because the truth is, let me just tell you my story a little bit, and I'll try to be quick this morning. I grew up, uh, many of you already know this, but I grew up, my, my dad became a, a lead pastor of a church when I was 11 months old. So I grew up always being at church, very rarely ever missing a service unless I was like on my deathbed. I never missed an Easter even if I was on my deathbed. But you know what all that church got me? Just a lot of good information. And when I was 17 years old, it was six days after I had graduated from high school, and I was at a really crummy youth camp in Brownwood, Texas. And I finally realized, me personally, I've never done what Paul is challenging us to do. I mean, I knew about Jesus, and I knew all the stories, and I could quote a lot of memory verses. But me personally, I had never placed my faith in the fact of those three things. Jesus died on the cross for me. He was placed in a tomb. But three days later, he came back to life. And so at the age of 17, it was like 2 o'clock in the morning, and I was laying in bed wrestling with this decision. And I got out of my, you know, creaky old bunk bed, and I went and, I went and woke up my youth pastor. And I don't think he liked me, but... I woke him up. I said, Steve, we need to talk. We went over to the next room that was empty. And I knelt there on an old concrete floor with the old metal bunk beds and then you know you know the vinyl plastic mattresses. And I placed my faith in Jesus. And and here's the truth of that. From that moment. I've had a peace in my life. That I've been forgiven. That I've been pardoned. That I've been redeemed. And that when I leave this earth, when I die, I will stand before Jesus, my Savior. Now that doesn't mean I've had a perfect life or that I've been the perfect example of a life. But I've had perfect peace of Christ in my life. And here's what I want you to wrestle with this morning Maybe you're similar to me, or maybe you used to go to church, or maybe you've been in church all your life. 
Maybe you, this is your first time to ever be at church. The question I want you to wrestle with is, have you ever personally for yourself placed your faith in Jesus? Have you said, I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he was buried. And I believe he is alive. Have you made that decision for yourself? And my challenge for you this morning is that before you leave, you'll make that decision. If you can't remember a time, maybe today is the time. Surrender your life to Jesus. For the rest of you in here this morning, we are called as believers to show the love of Christ. And here's a, a famous quote from Brennan Manning. He says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is believers who acknowledge Christ with their mouth but deny him with their lifestyle. And the rest of the quote says, and that's what an unbelieving world finds unbelievable. John 13, 35, Jesus talking, and he said, by this you will know, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Can I just be honest for a moment? Us as believers, we need to do a better job of loving people. We need to love like Jesus loved. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment. We're going to continue our service with a song of worship in a moment, but as they prepare for our worship time this morning, I want to ask real quickly today, with our eyes closed, would anyone in here say this morning, John, God has revealed to me today that I've never made that decision for myself. I've never really placed my faith in those three things, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I've never put my hope of eternity in the hands of Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, I'm, I'm gonna ask you as our eyes are closed, I, I wanna pray for you. And, and so if that's you this morning, you'd be willing to just say, John, I want you to pray for me because I've never done that. I'm going to ask you real quickly, would you just hold your hand up for a minute so I can pray for you? Just put your hand up for a moment. Thank you. Just put your hand up. Just hold it up for a minute. Keep it up. Just all over. Thank you. Anyone else this morning, just put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. If you raised your hand this morning, or, or maybe you didn't raise your hand, but God has told you, you've never made that decision. Here's what I want you to do this morning. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you would like to repeat those words after me, it, it, it's, it's not important that I hear them. It's you talking to God. If you want to paraphrase what I'm saying and put them in your own words. But I would just invite you this morning, here in a minute, as I pray, that you would just repeat these words to the Lord. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sins separate me from you. 
today, right now, I want to place my faith in Jesus. I surrender my life to you, Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. As our eyes are still closed, we just want to ask again real quick this morning, if you prayed that prayer along with me, would you raise your hand for a moment just so I can pray for you? Just put your hand up. Thank you. Just hold it up for a minute. Thank you. Anyone else? Just keep it up. Keep it up for a minute. Thank you. And just keep it up for a minute. I'm, I'm just looking around. Thank you. All right, you can put your hands down. Anyone would say this morning, John, the last kind of few minutes you spoke there about sharing or reflecting the love of Christ, I need to do better at that. Would you pray for me? I need to do better. Would you just put your hand up for a moment? A lot of us, just put your hand up. Thank you. So I'm going to pray here in a moment. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray in a moment. And then I'm going to have you stand after I pray. And we're going to sing a song of worship this morning. And, and during this song, if, if, you, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I would love for you to come down this morning to the front. We have men and women here who would love to pray with you. Help confirm that decision in your heart this morning. And maybe this morning you raised your hand to say, I need to do a better job reflecting the love of Christ. I'm going to challenge you the same way. Come forward this morning and pray. If you want to pray by yourself this morning in a moment we stand, you just come simply, come down at the altar and pray. As you make your way down, if you want to talk to someone or pray with someone, just shake their hand. They would be glad to pray with you. God, we are blessed to be here. We thank you for the gospel, for the good news. Lord, I thank you this morning for the, the, the 15 or so that raised their hand here, that they prayed to surrender their life to you. And Lord, they have placed their faith in the good news, in the gospel. Give them the courage to come forward to tell somebody about that today. Lord, help us as a believers, as a church, to reflect the love of Jesus to everyone to all nations, all people. Lord, as we worship, we just want to thank you. Would you stay with me this morning as we worship today?